Praise the Lord. God is good. Jesus is good. We are his people. Hallelujah. So grateful today to count myself as a follower of Jesus Christ. People take a lot of pleasure, a lot of pride in what team they are rooting for, what politician they voted for, what party they belong to. I was watching, I'm sure it comes as no surprise, I was watching some playoff football yesterday. And all the fans in the stadium, and this is the level of insanity that does accompany some parts of our entertainment and sports enthusiasm. The stadium last night, the game last night, was in Buffalo, New York. The temperature at kickoff was six degrees. Six. Six degrees. Not 60. Not 16, six. By the time the second half began, it was one degree. One degree. And yet that stadium was filled to the overflow. 80,000 people. In the open air. No, this isn't one of those dome stadiums where, you know, you can go. No, this is open. One degree. They stood for four hours in that weather and watched and rooted and cheered for their team. Now, I'm not one of these pastors that says those things like, well, if they can do that, why can't we show up for one hour? on Sunday mornings. I'm not one of those kind of guys. Uh, If it was one degree outside, I probably would have called off service today. (laughs) I would have told you to call in. We'll do this. We'll do this by phone. I I have some sense about me on these things, but they were so proud of their team that they wanted to come out and support and show and Oh, they put on a show. They destroyed the devil. I mean, the New England Patriots. They destroyed the devil. They just blew them off the face of the earth. Put a, put a, put them, just dug a hole and put them six feet down. I mean, they, they just wore them out. And, and they were just so excited about it. And you could see they were all wearing their colors and had their hats and their banners. And they were so proud. But I can say today that I am so happy and proud to be on Team Jesus. Amen. For what, for what they did, for what Buffalo did to New England last night doesn't even hold a candle to what Jesus Christ has done for us in giving us the victory over sin, over death, over the very devil of hell himself. So I am glad this morning to be part of of great company of saints. And I'm glad to see some of those saints with us here this morning. We we welcome you. Those of you that are listening on the audio line, we welcome you. We miss you. We would love to have you come be with us as soon as you are able to do so. You know all the means and methods of giving. I won't belabor that point. Thank you so much for all of your support. It is My unfortunate duty, once again, to let you know that the Lighthouse family has been reduced here on earth, but is safe and secure in the eternal kingdom. The passing of Brother Reuben Mohan this week 
a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, a good man. I found him to be a wise counselor, a true friend, a true servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was so faithful to be in God's house. He was so faithful to serve in many different capacities, whether it was as a council member on the finance committee, whether it was whatever project we had going on at any given time. If we were just here to clean things up, he was here, and he did his part. If there was a nursing home that needed visiting, he was there, and he did his part. He was just always, always there to do what needed to be done. And we do uh, grieve this passing. We, we're not sad for his sake. He is certainly, uh, there's no question in my mind that he is certainly with the Lord today and enjoying the presence of God and would not trade places with us for anything in this world. But we nevertheless, we grieve for the family his precious wife, his precious children, his grandchild, his sisters and brothers, nieces and nephews and aunts and uncles. We grieve for the Lighthouse family. We are not so many. There's not so many of us left. Uh, every loss is felt. But uh, we move forward in faith, in hope, knowing we will see him again. And if, if, if the current events are any indication, maybe quite soon, we will all be together. I do want to uh, let you know, we don't have all the details finalized yet, but the service is planned for this Saturday at 12 o'clock. We'll get you the rest of the details. Uh, we'll meet with the family today and, and, and get everything worked out to what all will be done I just encourage you as best you can to just send words of condolence and encouragement and, and love to this family throughout the week. Uh, it's such a burden, such a burden for any family to experience. And we want to be there for our brothers and sisters and support them. I do want to pass along uh, a warning from the uh, county of Broward uh, concerning the weather today, there are tornado warnings in effect in Broward County, different parts of Broward County, so be extremely cautious. Careful about your business today. Uh, good day to be at home. Good day to stay in. It's going to be a little windy. It's going to, the weather's going to be, but I tell you, uh, what I saw in Buffalo last night, what I'm seeing in the Northeast and the Midwest, I'm kind of glad to be here. Uh, the, the weather's going to be really, uh, uh, brutal in some parts of our nation today. So let's pray for uh, those in, in the path of these storms and weather events. All right, we do want to uh, open our Bibles this morning to Gospel of John chapter 14. While you're doing that, let me encourage you, if you can, to be on the prayer call this afternoon at 5 o'clock. Brother Keith has a, uh, a, a outline of the, uh, the prayer call. If you need one, you can see him. Before you go, also Wednesdays at 12, the midweek prayer call with Reverend Leslie. Beyond that, if you can, make your quest known unto the Lord. He'll pray with you, pray for you. And then, if the Lord allows us this Wednesday evening, we'll be back in our Bible study at 745. I do ask you to pray for me and pray for the people I work with and work for. These last two weeks, we have had 17 COVID cases in the, uh, in the various uh, workforces there that I work with, and it has put me in a very difficult situation. I spent part of last week in Miami, in Vero Beach, in uh, Coral Springs, in uh, Loxahatchee, uh, just trying to help wherever I could to try to, to, to cover for some of these that are sick. Uh, this COVID business is not just personally uh, difficult for the one who's experiencing it, but it also causes difficulties for those around them, the people they 
work with the, uh, and the, the different services that need to be provided. So our land needs a healing revival. Our land needs the healing virtue of Jesus Christ physically and in many other ways, economically, politically, community, social, whatever. We need healing. And so let's just keep these things constantly in prayer. The Gospel of John chapter 14 will be in at verse 1. These are the words of Jesus Christ who says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this precious word, the words of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for those who preserved these words. Thank you for those who protected these words against corruption and destruction. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for superintending these words to bring them to us, to every generation, for they are for every generation. We pray, O oh God, today that you would release the anointing that is contained within the Word of God. Help the one who speaks today, for you know all of his limitations. Touch those who hear and receive by faith today. Let them be Encouraged, let them be strengthened through this word today. Let it take root, let it bear fruit. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and all who agree say, Amen. Last week I spoke to you on the need for discernment, the need to understand how to know when a word is from the Lord. I also want us to understand that we are involved, as I told you last week, in a tremendous conflict in the world today between the powers of deception, the liars, the, the, the thieves, those who would corrupt the truth, and we who are called to defend the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ must be always on our guard ever-present to challenge every single voice that raises itself in opposition to the truth concerning Jesus Christ. There is no doubt in my mind that the world and all of its agents and all of the agents of the enemy are concentrated and in agreement on this one point. They must destroy the testimony of Jesus Christ. If the world is to have its way, they must destroy the testimony of Jesus Christ. Everywhere the gospel of Jesus Christ is declared and defended and proclaimed, it upsets the plans and it upsets the points and purposes of the enemy. He knows that the one thing that he cannot and, and is utterly helpless against is the truth concerning Jesus. He's done his best to cloud the issue. He's done his best to, to bring doubt into the minds of people so that even today, even among some who claim to follow Christ, there are disputes and dissensions concerning who he really is and what he was really able to accomplish in his life and in his death and in his resurrection. 
but as this passage and many, many others. I, 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 I was studying this week, and, and my intent today was to speak to you on the four truth statements of the Gospel of John. Four times Jesus spoke concerning the truth, and you'll know these statements. The first is in John chapter, 20, uh, chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, where he tells the woman at the well, you worship what you know not. But we worship what we know. But God is seeking such to worship Him, those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. All of the worship that gets offered in this world today, and you can find online, you can find houses of praise, houses of worship, you can find testimony after testimony of places that sing the praises, but how many of that, how much of that worship is rooted and grounded in truth. There's plenty of noise. There's plenty of effects. There's plenty of, uh, of, 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 of very impressive displays of magnificent worship. And yet Jesus says if it does not come out of the Spirit and the truth, it is wasted worship. It is pointless and I will tell you this, it's even worse than that. It's deceiving worship. Much of what passes for worship today, even in some of the churches, is a deceptive form of worship because it is not rooted and grounded in truth. It's the worship of worship. It's the praise of praise. Its effect is not to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ but to glorify the one who is worshiping. Because it comes not from the foundation, the stable and secure foundation of the knowledge of the truth. The enemy does everything in his power. And the world joins him in this endeavor to discredit the worship of God's people by diverting it away from the truth concerning Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. The enemy is doing everything within his power. And the world is joining him in this endeavor to divert the worship of Jesus Christ away from the truth. For he understands this, wherever the name of Jesus is magnified, and wherever the story of Jesus is glorified, and wherever the power of Jesus is on display, he's in trouble. The enemy is in trouble. He must keep Jesus from being worshipped, Pastor. He must keep him from being worshipped. That is at number one on his agenda. If he does not want any more glory to be associated with the name, for where there is glory, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. What keeps the houses empty, what keeps the pews empty, is this diversion of worship. For today we worship the gods of convenience, and prosperity, and power, and only include Jesus so far as he is able to provide such convenience and prosperity and power. Amen. We worship to gain favor. We worship to influence. We worship to build ourselves up, not caring that it is at the cost of the glory of Jesus Christ. And the enemy smiles and claps right alongside of us. Because he knows there's no power in it. He knows there's no authority in it. But where worship is done in spirit and where worship is done in truth, there is great power. There is great authority. For when he is magnified and he is glorified, all, and I say it again, all in heaven and all in earth must bow to his glory and to his authority. The second of those statements, those true statements, is found in John chapter 8, verse 32. You know it very well. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Why is the enemy so against the truth of Jesus Christ? Because he knows that when one comes to the knowledge, the true and saving knowledge of Jesus, the power of the enemy and the power of sin over the life of that person is irrecoverably broken. How do you keep people under their thumb? 
of sin? How do you keep people in bondage? How do you keep people under the power of the enemy? Keep them believing a lie. Oh, this is a this is a, a, a tactic out of out of the politics and the and, and the power of despots and kings. How do they come to such authority? They keep people believing a lie. If people really knew the truth behind the power, they would reject it. Amen. So they must believe the lie, and people are very and the enemy is very concerned that where Jesus Christ is glorified and magnified, where his gospel is declared, people will come to the knowledge that they do not have to be in bondage to these powers of sin and death and the grave. And once they come to that knowledge, let me tell you something. Once somebody tastes their freedom in Christ, they don't ever desire to want to go back. Amen. Once you come to the knowledge of the truth, the truth sets you free. Once you come to the knowledge of salvation through Christ Jesus, you are set free from the burden of having to, 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 to do enough good work to please the Father. What is the strength of sin? The strength of sin is the law. As long as one can continue to keep you in belief uh, that you are under some judgment or under some wrath or under some sentence uh, 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 of of punishment or of death, uh, you will do anything you can to follow whatever prescription they give you. Come on, if the doctor comes to you and says you have this disease and if you want to be cured, you must take these pills, what are you going to do? Amen. Amen. You're going to do whatever the doctor tells you, right? If the doctor is wrong or if the doctor has some investment in that pill company, you may never know. Come on. I'm not against doctors. I've been to one. I go for my yearly checkup. They, they take the blood. They, they, they poke. They point it. I got a nice little doctor. A little, uh, she, she, she's a sweetheart. I like her. But she wants. She starts talking about we're going to put you on this, we're going to put you on that, and I say, hold up. I serve the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If it ever comes down to it, and the doctor says this is what you got to do, I'll do it. But I'm here today to tell you this, church. The enemy knows his power is rooted in his ability to convince you there's no escape except by his methods. And when the truth comes in, he loses that power. When, if we were told the truth concerning our salvation in Christ, we would have no need, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. I was thinking about this the other the other day, uh, one of these uh, fellows was on the, you know, the the program, and he was talking about how he had this certain piece of information and knew this certain thing, and he was the only one who knew it. And you had to come to him, and you had to see him, or you would never know it. And you had to. And I tell you, people love to take power by claiming to have some kind of special knowledge or special privilege or, or, or special information that nobody else got. One of the things I love about Jesus is he said, I did nothing in secret. I did nothing in the darkness. I did nothing in hiding it in a corner. Everything I did was in the light. Everything you need to know is free for yours for the asking, free for yours for the reading, free to you for the hearing. There's no charge to enter these doors. There's no charge to pick up this word. There's no charge to open your heart and mind and say, Lord Jesus. And the enemy hates that. The enemy knows that if he loses that power to keep us in the bondage to our sin, he loses his power to control our lives. This, when we're reading here in John chapter 14, is the third of the truth statements. I'm going to spend most of my time here today because this is the one that is attacked more than anything else by the enemy. This idea of no one comes to the Father except by knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
He hates this statement with a passion. And the world hates this station with, a, with this statement with a passion. Nothing will cause a greater conflict in your family. Nothing will cause more problems for you at work. Nothing will cause for you to have any more difficulties with your neighbors and your friends than this one simple statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father except by me. Take this one verse out of the Bible, and immediately 80% of your conflicts go away. As long as Jesus is but one of several ways or one of many ways or one of a universe full of ways, he is no threat. But once Jesus becomes the unique and exclusive way to God, he is of the greatest threat to all the pretenders and all the fakes and all those false prophets and false Christ and false teachers that claim to know the way. There's no greater way to rob this world of its power and to rob the enemy of his power than to realize there's nothing they have to offer that can get you one step, one inch, one iota closer to God. When you take all of that away, what is left? If what the world offers us does not help us come to the knowledge of the Father, then what prop is there in it? Indeed, it's not simply that it does not help us come to the knowledge of the Father, but it acts actively as a deception, as a way of distancing us from the Father. If we understood this very thing, I say this as one who's as guilty as anybody, I don't, I, you know, I enjoy many of the amusements and entertainments of this world. I enjoy much of what uh, uh, you know, goes around. I, I, I don't partake of everything, you know, you can't, there's not enough time. But I enjoy, I, I was sitting at home last night watching an old black and white movie. This thing's from like 1930-something. Old uh, uh, William Powell, I'm a big William Powell fan, I like William Powell. I like the Thin Man movies, you know. I like the way they talk. I like the, the, the way they just, it's, it's, it's so funny how they talk sometimes. I enjoy it. It didn't help me. Know, I didn't learn anything about Jesus last night watching William Powell, but I had a good time watching a football game. I don't really learn anything about Jesus except how crazy people are who stand out in cold weather. But this thing I know, what works for the world works against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. What brings us closer to God, by definition, separates us from the world. What brings us closer to the knowledge of the truth, by definition, separates us from the lies and the deceptions of the enemy. This statement that Christ makes, it's not only controversial, it's revolutionary. It's revolutionary because it does not depend on bloodline. It does not depend on culture. It does not depend on race. It does not depend on political affiliation. It does not depend on economic status. It is irrespective of educational level. It doesn't matter. It doesn't care if you were born in China or Africa or the heart of New York City. It makes no distinction between those who are from Jamaica or Trinidad or the United States. It does not say if you have such and such a degree or such and such a, a level of knowledge. It does not say that if you have enough in your pockets or enough in your checkbook, it eliminates all of those qualifications. It says there is one way, one truth, and one life. It, at the same time, it incredibly simplifies and yet incredibly complicates the path of righteousness. It simplifies it this way. It reduces 
everything we need to know about God to the person of Jesus Christ. You don't have to have a degree in theology. You don't have to go to Bible school. Those are good things. If you have the opportunity to do so, you should do so. But you don't have to have them. For the scholar and the theologian is no closer to God than the man digging the ditch on the side of the street who has Jesus Christ in his heart. You understand what a threat, what an existential threat that is to the power brokers of this world. To say that a poor widow woman or a poor infant child can come as close to God as the mightiest prince or the greatest prime minister or president. This upsets the apple cart of this world. They can't have it like that. If there is no privilege in being rich, if there is no privilege in being powerful, if there is no privilege in being educated, if there is no privilege in being born of the right family or of the right nationality or of the right ethnicity, what is it all for? We invest all of our hope and all of our, of our ambition in these things, and here comes Jesus and says there's no profit to any of you. No wonder people get upset. Now, wait a minute, Pastor. Hold on. I know Jesus was a good man. He's a godly man. I, and I know he showed us, he told us a lot of truth. But listen, there have been a lot of good men, a lot of godly men. There have been a lot of prophets. This is how the world thinks. This is how the world rationalizes and reasons their way. You mean to tell me that these poor little folk over here in this part of the world, are never, they're, 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 they're lost, they're, they don't have any hope. I'm here to tell you that wherever there is truth, there is Christ Jesus. And wherever there is Christ Jesus, there is truth. And if there's any truth in this world, those who seek it will find that it will lead them to Jesus Christ. All right. Somebody was con- trying to convince me that, that, that old tired argument about the person who's raised in some other religion. You mean to tell me that they're, they're, they're just cut off, they just have no hope? I said, no. I said, if there's any truth in their religion at all, and they seek that truth, it will lead them to Christ Jesus. Well, let's be honest. Even we Christians, even we of the so-called Christian West, which is... In my opinion, of a illusion, but still, even those of us raised in the church, even those of us who had the privilege of being brought up in the house of God, very, very few, only a small percentage, care enough about the truth to seek it out. We're no different or better than the Muslim or the Jew or the Buddhist or the Hindu. We accept very quickly and very quietly whatever whatever compromise, whatever corruption is convenient to ourselves. Oh, we've put a Christian name on it. We paint a little cross on the side of the building. We put a little bumper sticker on our car. But we're not seekers of truth. As a matter of fact, you will find very quickly in some churches, the more you seek the truth, the more opposition you find within the church. Amen. For no greater power bases are threatened by the knowledge of Jesus Christ than those that have been established in the kingdom itself. Come on. Jesus' greatest enemies were those of his own family, of his own household. These are the wounds I received in the house of my friends. This seeking of truth through the person of Jesus Christ, is just as much a threat to those who lord over their pulpits. Amen. 80% of the cults in the United States are Christian cults. Come on. We want to we point the finger over there at poor Jim Jones. Jim Jones was a Pentecostal preacher. I'm not telling you anything. It's truth. Go look him up. He's Pentecostal. He was, he was demon-possessed, but he hit it very well. 
Amen. We want to point, we want to throw stones over here at David Koresh. We want to throw stones over there at this guy or that guy. And all of them took their corruption right from the Word of God. Being in the house of God is no protection if you're not a seeker of truth. You're just as easy to fall for the lie inside the building as you are outside the building. What are you saying, Pastor? I am saying that our faith isn't in the church. Our faith isn't in the denomination. Our faith isn't in the guy in the pulpit. Our faith must be in Jesus Christ. And anything that is not corresponding to Him and His character must be rejected. I am the way. Not my religion is the way. I am the way. Not some set of teachings that I'm going to lay down. I am the way, not some building that's going to be built with my name on the front. He said, I am the way. And if you don't come through me, you say, well, pastor, doesn't the church help us come to Christ? It can. It's supposed to. That's what it's there for. That's the whole point of it. It's to be brought into the knowledge of Christ through the fellowship of Christ's people. But how often do we fail? How often do we lift up another in Christ's place? I am the way, Jesus said. I'm not a way. I'm not one of the ways. I am the way. I am the truth. We, we will find no greater resistance to any other statement than this one. Jesus claims to be that all truth is in Him. We beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. I know some people, and I say this with fear in my heart. I do. I say this trembling. I say this humbly. I say this with, with, with utter dependence on the Holy Spirit to help me say it right. There are people who have held this word up to such a standard that the word itself has become an idol greater than Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, you don't, you, you, you're talking about the Bible? I'm talking about the Bible. I'm talking about people who rest the scriptures and twist the scriptures and pervert the scriptures and use the scriptures as a justification and an excuse not to glorify Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the truth. My word is truth. So the last of the statements that Jesus makes concerning truth, John 17, he said, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. The truth concerning Jesus Christ is what sanctifies. That word means to separate. It is what separates God's people from everyone else in the world. You can look like, sound like, talk like, act like, and be like many, many people you choose. But once you come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you are fundamentally different from everybody else. We don't take this difference far enough sometimes. We hold this difference out to be super, a superficial one. We reduce it to the way you're going to dress or, the, or, or, or maybe you're going to clean up your language a little bit or maybe not go to some of the, 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 the places you used to go. And that's fine. If you're dressing inappropriately, you should start dressing appropriately. If you're, if you're using language that's not glorifying God, you need to zip your mouth shut and find some other things to say. And if you're going places that are damaging your testimony, you've got no business being there. Stay home. Or go somewhere, go someplace more, more wholesome. I'm not against any of that. I, you ought to live right. You ought to do right. You ought to be right. If you're going to hold the name of Jesus, it ought to mean something. But that's not the sanctification I'm talking about or what Jesus was talking about. He is saying there comes a separation that is so defined and so permanent that there can no longer be any fellowship with the works of darkness. There can no longer be any love of the world or the things in the world. 
For anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. There comes a sanctification that is so clear, a line that becomes so engraved in stone. And it's not just a one-way trip. It's, a, it, it's on both sides. From the moment you come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the world will see you differently and treat you differently. You become immediately a stranger and an alien, even in your own household. Amen. Some of you can testify to that. Some of you can testify to having friends who you thought were closer than family. But when you turn to Christ, a division so sharp and so real came so quickly and suddenly, you had to know it had to be of God. Some people are not prepared for that separation, and so they resist the truth. Let's talk about that honestly for a moment. Most people compromise the truth not because they don't want the truth, but because of the price that has to be paid to walk in it. How radical is the truth? It is so radical that if we were to walk fully and completely in the truth of God today, we'd be dragged out of our homes and stoned in the streets. If we were now, you say, well, Pastor, you're being, you're being very, very con- confrontational this morning. I'm just trying to tell you, I want you to, be pre- I want you to prepare your hearts and minds for what it's going to take to walk in the truth in 2022. I can, you could pick the topic. Gender, sexuality, morals, politics, vaccines, social endeavors. Social media. Pick, throw, throw a dart. And whatever you hit, if we were to truly walk in the truth of Jesus Christ, we'd be pariahs like that. We'd pay the price that Jesus paid and his apostles paid. When you stand up to, a, to the entire weight, with the entire weight of the world bearing down on you, telling you, fall in line, fall in place, compromise, be like everything else. What does it take to say, no, I stand apart. I stand apart because I stand on the word of the living God. You're a bigot. You're prejudiced. You hate. No, I love. And because I love, I'm willing to put up with whatever comes my way, to hold open a door that says this way to salvation, this way to Jesus Christ, this way to eternal life. Whosoever will, who will stand at the narrow gate and keep it propped open long enough for your sons and your daughters to make it through. Who will stand at the narrow gate and keep their foot in that door long enough for your friends and your families to escape the destruction that is coming upon the Sodom and the Gomorrahs of this world? Who will stand at the door and keep knocking, saying, open up, open up, it's not too late. It will not be the world. The world says, join us on the wide path. The world says, go along with what we tell you is good and what is evil. Go along with what we tell you is right and what is wrong. But we, if we were to truly stand on the power of the testimony of Jesus Christ, we would be forced to stand apart. Not out of some sense of moral superiority. That's how some stand apart. The Pharisee approach. I thank you, God, that I am not like these sinners. That's not a truth. The truth is you're just like these sinners. The difference between you and them is God has shown mercy on you. And if you've been one for whom God has shown mercy, how can you point a finger at anybody else and say, no mercy for you? If we were to stand on the testimony of what God says is real and true, we will Spiritually and perhaps at some point 
physically be crucified with Christ. Because the world won't have it. There's one overriding pressure in this world. There is one overriding pressure in all of the politics and all of the economics and all of the social structures of this world. One overriding pressure. One thing overall. Do not stand apart. Do not stand apart. Do not separate yourself from the crowd. For those who separate themselves from the crowd, those who claim to be different, those who say we're not like that, by the character of their lives and the testimony of their lips, bring condemnation and judgment on the other. When I would go out to dinner with, or go out to lunch sometimes with some people from work, you know, I've got one of those jobs now. I've got to do a little schmoozing. Can you imagine me schmoozing? Yes, I'm every bit as bad at it as you can, you can imagine. I am not a schmoozer. But I, I have some responsibilities, and so sometimes I'm forced into doing things I don't want to do. So I take someone out for lunch, and they'll look at the cocktail menu. And I'll say, what are you having? And I'll tell them I'm having a Diet Coke. Oh, no, 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 go ahead, get whatever you want. Well, I want a Diet Coke. No, it's okay, we don't have to go back to work today. You can have a little, no, it's all right, I don't drink. I'm going to have a Diet Coke. Oh, you don't drink. And I can see the struggle in their face. They want to drink. But they know if they drink and I don't, somehow in their mind, they're going to come under some kind of condemnation. Sometimes they don't care. They get drunk anyway. But I pass no judgment. I tell them, do as you please. I am not in any way. I have made a choice for me. I do not make that choice for anybody else. You have your own conscience. You have your own way to live. Do what you seems right to you. But by the very choice I make of standing apart, I bring condemnation and conviction. When we choose believers to stand apart in Christ, to be separate, to not go the way of the world, to not do the things of the world, to reject the standards, to reject the principles, to reject the wisdom of this world, to go in a way that the world views as utterly and completely incoherent and incompatible with their ways. A price will have to be paid. A price will have to be paid. And that's why it's so important that we know in our heart that He is the truth. But the only thing that will give us the strength and the conviction to stand apart is the sure knowledge that what we stand on will last. I look at some of these churches today. My heart breaks. uh, In the news last week, another fairly large denomination in the United States is splitting. This is maybe the fourth or fifth one in the last ten years or so. And they're splitting over the same issues. You know the issues. What do we do with people with certain lifestyles? Do we ordain certain things? Oh, the enemy has stirred up such a cloud of dust. Such a cloud of dust. And those churches that want to stay true to the biblical model, that want to stay true to the faith once delivered to the saints, are being forced to choose whether they can even continue in fellowship with the rest of their denomination. I thank God the church of God is not there, or at least not there yet. I don't know what the future holds, but my goodness. Imagine having to make that choice between your conscience before God and all of your peers and brothers and sisters and fellow ministers and fellow churches that you've been in fellowship with for hundreds of years. It's a heartbreaking choice. And those who are making the choice to stand on the Word of God are being called all sorts of names. Mocked and made fun of 
anachronisms, throwbacks, holy rollers, and worse. Unenlightened, uninformed, ignorant, and worse. Prejudiced and hateful, and bigoted, and worse. And yet they stand on the truth. If this word is anything, if it is truly God's word, it cannot change. It says what it says, and what it says is not compatible with the current trends of this world. Do we have the courage? Where does one get the courage to pay such a price? From the certainty of the knowledge that one has come to us who he is truth itself. And that to betray him on any level, to depart from him on any level, to ignore any aspect of his truth on any level is to forever be lost in a sea of lies and deception from which there is no escape. The courage it's going to take to live this year and walk this year in the truth cannot come from your heart. It must come from the heart of Christ himself. And between these two statements in John 14 and John 17, he tells us the secret, the key, the gift that will help us walk in the truth. He says the spirit of truth will come and will lead you and will guide you into these truths. If I had to sit here and figure out what was real and not real, what was true and not true, using all the powers of my human reason and human logic, using all the wisdom of the sages of the ages, I'd just give up and go home. It It would be an impossible task. There would be no point to it. For my mind cannot perceive the things of God. It simply can't. What what did Paul say? The natural mind does not what? Know or receive the things of the Spirit. All my human logic. I could study geology and geography. I could study history. I could study math. I could study physics. I could study everything and apply it all to this Word of God. And it would get me not one step closer to truth. You don't believe me? Listen to all the insane and inane arguments about creation versus evolution and time versus space and all these things. PhD after PhD weighing in. Studies of this and studies of that weighing in. Scientists after scientists offering their opinion and how many of them come even close to in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Much less close to in the beginning was the word. All of the telescopes and all of the microscopes cannot show us what's true. They can show us what's there, but they can't show us what's true. But he, when he comes, somebody thank God for the Holy Spirit. When he, the spirit of truth has come, He will not let you be deceived. He will not let you be distracted. He will not let you be overwhelmed. He will lead you. If we're going to walk in the truth in 2022 and beyond, we're going to have to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we are being faced daily with such an avalanche of lies as to make it impossible for our own discernment to guide us. Would you stand with me this morning? You make a statement today by your presence here that you are convinced that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That statement is going to be tested every day by everyone you meet who's not a follower of Jesus Christ. You're going to have to depend daily on the Holy Spirit to help you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come to you, God, because you are truth. We come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. 
We are faced with a world of darkness, a world of deception, a world of lies. We are faced with a world that overwhelms us, bombards us with all manner of information from all kinds of sources, but none of it rooted or grounded in truth. Every day our senses are overwhelmed. Our minds are overwhelmed by this onslaught of false information. Oh God, we need your help. Even the best of us, even the most committed of us will soon be swept away by the tide if we are not anchored in the person of Jesus Christ. If the Spirit of Christ is not leading us and guiding us into truth, I pray, oh God, for fresh anointing, for a fresh anointing of truth to touch every heart and mind in this place. Sweep away, blow away, oh holy wind. Ruach, the holy wind of God, the breath of heaven, blow away all of the lies and the deceptions. Expose every untruth, every falsehood in and among your people today. Let our lives be lives that are true. Let our faith be true. Let us be bound not by the lies and the deceptions of this world, but by the love of the truth that is in Christ Jesus. And that, that love of truth, that seeking of truth, that desire for truth, override and overflow through us, O oh God, by the power of your Spirit. Father, we pray for those that are in darkness. We pray for those that are deceived, our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers. Oh God, the veil of deception that has covered their eyes. The God of this world has blinded their minds that they might not see the light of truth. But you said those who walk in darkness will see a great light. We pray for that light today to shine into the darkest hearts today. Those who are caught in the lies and deceptions of this world, of this generation, of this hour. We pray for their deliverance by the hand of God. Let your truth set them free. Let your truth set them free, O oh God. Help us be a people of the truth. Walkers in the truth. Lovers of the truth. Let the truth of Jesus Christ be our only standard. Our only standard. This thing we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother, would you come and serve the congregation this morning? All truth finds its root, finds its heart, finds its purpose, finds its reality. I looked up the definition of truth in the dictionary. It says that which corresponds to reality. I said that is not a helpful definition because reality itself is being manipulated constantly. Amen? Amen. Reality is always under manipulation. The trick of the light and the trick of the, 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 the sound and the trick of, you know, we, 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 we're so easily... Uh, I've learned over the years not even to trust my own eyes. Amen? I had a situation not that long ago. I thought I saw something. I really did. I thought I saw something, and I thought, my goodness, I could not have possibly seen what I thought I saw. Like one of those videos you see on the uh, YouTube or whatever of, of the alien walking through the backyard, that kind of thing, you know? But no, I couldn't. That can't be what I think it is. Your eyes can be deceived. Your ears can be deceived. The older I get, the more, the less I trust what I hear. I hear people talking sometimes. I don't. Even, I'm not even sure what they said. Amen. Everything just kind of. I'm I'm getting to that age where if two or three things are talking at once, I have a hard time distinguishing. Amen. Anybody else as old as I am? Amen. Uh, nobody, nobody else as old as I am. I'm by myself. 
Our senses can be fooled. Is all I'm saying. I tell you what, since I had COVID last year, nothing even tastes the same as it used to. You could, I can tell you that my wife, my wife keeps bugging me. She says, you're losing too much weight. I says, I'm not, I'm not trying to lose any weight. I did nothing, just t- nothing tastes right. Everything tastes different from the way I remember it tasting. I don't know if that's happened to anybody else. But I remember things I remember, they tasted so good. Now I taste them, they're like, Ugh. what happened? Everything can be deceived except the Spirit of God who dwells in you. The Spirit who is present because of this. Father God, we give thanks today for the body of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The truth became flesh and blood. The Word became flesh. The reality of the universe of the cosmos, the ultimate reality of space and time and matter and energy took upon himself this form. Oh God, what a God you are. That we could see him, that we could hear him, that we could touch him, that he could live as one of us, that he could suffer as one of us, that he could be bruised, that he could be pierced, that he could bleed. Oh, Father, for this body we give thanks today. We bless this bread today. For it is the tangible symbol of the reality of our Savior Jesus Christ by whose stripes We are healed. Thank you for this body today. We give thanks and we bless it in Jesus' name. Take and eat and be made whole in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. For this cup today, we are truly grateful, O God. For the ultimate truth is that there would be no way to come to the Father if Jesus had not made the way. And he made the way by offering up his own blood for pardon, for remission, for justification, for sanctification. By this blood and the truth it represents We are set free. We are at liberty in Christ Jesus today because of Calvary, because of the one who was willing to give his life as a ransom for ours. We're thankful today. We pray for those, O God, today who need this blood for their life in Christ Jesus. Cleanse, forgive, pardon, and justify all for the sake of the glory of the name of your Son, Jesus. For it is in that name we pray. Amen and amen. Take and drink. May the life of Christ be renewed in you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Somebody just worship for just a moment. Bless your name, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name. Beloved, I see no greater challenge for the church this year than to walk in the truth. It's going to take everything we've got not to give in, not to be deceived. If God does not help us, we will not make it. The powers that are aligned against the truth concerning Jesus Christ are cosmic. They're titanic. 
The whole universe, the whole world has lined up to destroy the truth. And yet, it cannot be destroyed. Because He rose, He lives, He reigns, and He will return. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone have anything to share before we let you go this morning? All right. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this congregation. I bless them today in Jesus' name. Give them a good week. Go before them. Open the way. Make the way. Make the path straight. Let them walk with integrity before you this week. Keep watch over their homes, their families, their jobs, their communities, God. And through us and through our walking in the truth, God, would you begin to heal this nation, heal these communities, heal this world for the sake of the glory of the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you today. Greet each other in the name of the Lord and be back at the appointed time. been a production of the Lighthouse Church of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. You are welcome to join us for service every Sunday at 10:30 a.m. For more information or to support our ministry, visit our website at www.lhcogfl.org. Or if you're in the Broward County area, we would love for you to visit our church located at 1890 Southwest 31st Avenue, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33312. God bless you. Until next time, this is the Lighthouse Church of God, lighting the way through the storms of life.